everybody. On today's show, being a dad. I've been doing this dad thing for almost 19 years. How come it's never as easy as it looks on TV, right? We're talking about it next on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. There is a strong chance that Mitt Romney will finally, officially secure the Republican presidential nomination today with a primary election in Texas. If he does well in the Texas primary, he'll have enough delegates to clinch the Republican nomination for president. Texas has 152 delegates up for grabs, and Romney only needs 58 to become the party's nominee. Meanwhile, candidates have been busy courting veteran and military votes. A new Gallup survey found that veterans prefer Romney over Obama by a double-digit margin, 58% to 34. I'm Shirley Smith. Syrian delegates are being ousted from Western nations across the globe following a horrific weekend massacre. After a weekend massacre that was one of the deadliest in the uprising against the Syrian government, its ambassadors from Canada through Europe and into Australia have been told to leave. Nations expelling the diplomats include France, Britain, Spain, and Germany, whose foreign minister says the Allies hope the move send an unambiguous message that won't fall on deaf ears in Damascus. Australia's top diplomat says the expulsions are the most effective way of expressing revulsion over the massacre. Sagar Magani, Washington. U.S. officials are making sure their position on the situation in Syria is made clear. While registering its disgust at the weekend massacre in Syria and coordinating with other countries the expulsion of Syrian diplomats worldwide, the administration says it does not support military action there. White House Press Secretary Jay Carney says it fears that would mean more deaths. The international community is united in its revulsion at the regime's actions through its, both its military uh, and its thug forces, and we are ratcheting up the pressure on and isolation of this murderous regime. Carney didn't specify what other steps might be in the offing. Jerry Bodlander, Washington. Consumer confidence is dropping and is now at its lowest level since last fall. Consumer confidence fell again in May, according to the monthly survey conducted by the business research group, the Conference Board. Its index dropped nearly four points to 64.9. Wall Street analysts had been expecting a slight increase to around 70. Almost all the positives fell and negatives rose. Those calling jobs hard to get and expecting them to become scarcer jumped. So did those calling business conditions bad and expecting them to worsen. But the number expecting their incomes to go up showed a slight increase. The overall index is at an eight-month low. Warren Levin New York. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your uh, relationship coach, your life coach. We do what we can every uh, day on the show to give you and your family, your loved ones, the tools they need to grow healthy, happy relationships long into the future. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, We're coming back after an extended vacation, an extended weekend. Oh, what a great weekend. My face is totally red. I'm sunburned. I can't smile. My forehead feels like leather. But other than that, oh, my back hurts. I pulled my hamstrings. Not even sure if I have two of them, but I know I pulled one of them. And uh, 
it just, you know what? I don't know what – they call it family time. So I have six kids. And Bill Cosby has a great joke that he has, I think, five kids because he does not want six. I have six kids because uh, seven would have killed me. My children, um, beautiful kids from the ages of 18 down to six. And uh, I've just been pretty busy lately, so I haven't uh, paid much attention to the parenting role for a little bit. But now that I'm finishing up some things, finishing a doctorate, got that all done, and as I'm uh, spending more time with my family, I'm realizing that, boy, being a father is a big deal. (laughs) Why didn't anybody tell me this? It is hard. And um, thankfully, I have an 18-year-old daughter that reminds me of how poorly of a job I'm doing. Because she sat me down after spending an entire weekend with the family because she's been away to college. She's now back for summer break, which I'm not sure is a good idea. But she's now starting to critique our parenting. And she doesn't – she's absolutely convinced we're not, um, we're not, being, we're not being strong enough with the, the other children. We're not being hard enough on these other kids, which you know what? Oh, my word. Shut her up. She's killing me. Oh, she got so mad at us because our kids were talking through church. And I look at her and I'm like, well, what was I going to do? What do I do? She's like, well, I would have done something. And I'm like, like, what? What would you have done? Should I just stand up and start swinging at my kids in the middle of church? She's like, well, no, but you need to ground them. Okay. Then what? We grounded you and look what happened to you. You still badmouth your father. And we got into that whole routine. So I'm sitting here thinking we couldn't have a better guest than the guest we're going to have on today's show uh, because we're going to be learning how to, I guess, be better parents. Uh, Especially I just want to focus on being a better father, a better dad. My wife's got it down. She's the master of it all. She's been a school teacher. She knows 20 ways to discipline. I just know intimidation. And um, it doesn't always work well. So I'm excited for our guest today. We're going to be talking about dads and the important roles that you all play out there. Now, the fathers, think about it. Uh, are you stepping up? Are you the kind of dad you need to be? Are you, are you being the kind of man you need to be? Because I know, for me, I you know, there's no handbook for this. There's no manual. In fact, one of our guests is going to be basically giving you a bunch of tools. Uh, he's going to give us the ideas, the manual to help get us through this complex role that we call being a father. Because I know I didn't do a very good job at it. I... Um, I mean, in fact, I remember one time my wife went away to a, a class, like an education week, where she was going to go be educated about, I guess, parenting and, and things. And she left. But before she left, she was scared to death because she realized she was, she was leaving her, her kids with me, my kids with me. And she really sat me down and said, no, seriously, Matt, I need you to take this serious. These are your children. You need, you know, you need to pay attention. And then about every two minutes, she'd say, look at me when I'm talking to you. I got so distracted. And um, she'd just say, no, seriously, you got to focus, Matt, because when I get back, I want six kids here. I've got six when I'm leaving. I want six when we're back. And I'm like, great, got it, move on. Leave me alone. I think I understand. And she's like, seriously, Matt, six kids when you get when I get back. Great. So she leaves. And uh, from then on, it was nothing but just torture. I felt totally undertooled. I think my kids knew it. They saw fear in my eyes. They they knew I wasn't wired for this. Um, they I don't know. They just outthought me. They outpaced me. 
till, till finally um, I'm sitting there. It was near the end of the day, and my wife's basically – I know she's going to be home in about 20 minutes, so I went and gathered my kids. I had to go find a bunch of them. I'd lost them all day, which is kind of embarrassing. And I brought them all together, and I got them on the couch plus one. I had one more because I, I had an investment. I had increased my my lot. So I had six when she left. But when she came back, there was seven, friend of one of my kids. And um, we're sitting there, and she walks in, and I'm like, okay, show them the kids. They're the kids. There they are. Count them, six of them. And she just looked at me and she shook her head, and this is all she said, and it just blew my mind. She said, this place is a mess. And I'm like, what? She's like, the house is a mess. I'm like, count your kids. Count them. Count your kids right now. Guys, count off. Count off, each one of you. And she, <laughs> they've never counted off. They're not the Von Trapps. In the, um, and so uh, I got them to finally count off. I had seven kids there. Seven. Six plus one. Okay? That's interest. I made interest on my family. And she's like, yeah, but the house is a mess. Can you not watch the kids and take care of the house? And I'm like, you didn't ask for that. If you want the house taken care of too, that's different. If you want me to watch the kids and take care of the house, totally could do it. So I just feel undertooled. In fact, ironically, that whole thing, um, one of my kids, the next day, I'm now supposed to watch the kids and take care of the house. I'm not wired for this, seriously. I, you know what? Let me just go talk on the radio. Let me go just have fun with my friends. But don't make me watch my kids and clean the house simultaneously. That's multitasking. I don't do that. And uh, anyway, one of my kids was missing again. And uh, I get a phone call from the neighbor that says, hey, dude, you might want to go outside because I think your son's being arrested. So I walk out there and my cutest, most perfect child on earth, the cutest guy you've ever seen, little cute Spencer, can't even say his R's. He says him Spenso because his father's never taught him his R's apparently. And he's sitting out there talking to a cop. Uh, he, the Spencer at the time was four. He's talking to a police officer. And I walk out there and the police officer's saying, hey, buddy, you need to go inside because there's some bad people in the neighborhood and we're trying to find them. So you just go in right now, okay? And I hear my son say, I don't have to. And I'm just like, oh, that little Brad. Why is he bad-mouthing a police officer? And I walk up, pick him up. Now, what do you say? I mean, hey, this is my kid. Sorry, I'm hardly ever home. But I said, um, I just shook my head and picked up my son and said, ah, nephews. I'm pretending like he was my nephew. <laughs> it works really well. So when you're embarrassed by your kid, you just throw out the nephew thing. And I picked him up, and I, um, and I walked him to his uh, inside. And right then my wife called. And she's like, what's going on at home? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, how come Spencer was being arrested? <laughs> I'm like, how do you know that? And she said this, I swear, and it scared me to death. She said, Matt, I know everything. And she talks like that. Scared me to death. Right then she says, you've got to pick up your game, my friend. You've got to be a better father. And so since then I've been trying to figure out how to be a better father. I just think, honestly, it's getting harder to be a father. And I know that's true. Because it's got to be more difficult today, right, to be a father compared to like the old days. Remember Sheriff Taylor and the Andy Griffith show when he was raising Opie? Listen to this. When they called your name, you gave the large, generous amount of three cents. Can I give them too much, Pa? <laughs> too much? I could ask them to give back two cents. <laughs> we better talk about this thing. Now, 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 look here, Opie, you, you can't give a little bitty piddling amount like three cents to a worthy cause like the underprivileged children's drive. I was reading here just the other day where there's somewhere like 
480 boys in this county alone are, are, are one and a half boys per square mile. I never seen one, Paul. You never seen one what? A half a boy. <laughs> Do you see that? Do you see how easy life used to be when the only thing that could go wrong is your son would only give three cents to the needy? Seriously. My daughter's giving me her 10 cents every day, and I'm sick of it. And so how do we fix this, folks? How do we be better parents? How do we be better fathers? Today we're talking about dads, and I want you to think out there. If you're a father, on a scale from 1 to 10, where do you rank? 10 means you are the best father ever. You're teaching the lessons that need to be there. You're pushing back. You're being the great dad, one being the worst father ever. Where would you be ranked? In a recent study that came out from Boston College, a new survey shows that um, most dads would, if they could, give up. They'd actually stay home if they, if, if they could have somebody that could provide and make a living. They would love to stay home. The survey found that more than half of the working fathers would consider staying at home if their spouse's salary could support the whole family. Are you the kind of father that would do that? Is that is it is is the idea of being with your children that exciting to you? Being there and influencing their lives that exciting or do you hate your job that much by the way? Um because honestly, maybe we need to figure out how we're going to capture that spirit of being a great dad again. If we can be a great dad, if we can be the kind of father that um our children really need, I wonder if we'd feel a lot a, a lot better. I wonder if we wouldn't have a little bit less depression, a little bit more excitement about our lives. That's what we're talking about on today's show. We're going to be bringing in an expert, Treon Mueller, who is uh, has written a book, and we're going to be interviewing him about basically a handbook to be a better father. So sit back and enjoy. If you're a mom, grab your dad, get ready to listen, or your husband, and get him ready to listen to this so he can learn everything he can about being a better dad. That'll be back after this break on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. How do you decide which tools to pack on a trip? NASA is developing a machine that will give future space explorers a toolbox that's virtually unlimited. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. When you take a long road trip, the stuff you take with you is pretty much limited to what you can carry in your trunk. If you need something special that you didn't pack, you can simply stop somewhere and get it. NASA space explorers don't have that option. That's why the space agency is developing the capability to build custom tools and spare parts to order, even in microgravity. The method is called electron beam fabrication, or EBF3. The futuristic process uses an electron beam to melt raw material in a vacuum chamber. Using a detailed 3D computer drawing for a guide, the beam can create virtually any mechanical part. EBF3 has many promising applications. Aircraft materials can be made for about $1,000 per pound less than conventional means, and far less metal is wasted in the process. Future astronauts could manufacture vital tools or spare parts in space. That could mean the difference between continuing a long-range mission instead of making an emergency return to Earth. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. This will take a while. This is a bit of a survey course question. What is a historian? It may be an intro level question, but I'm not sure there is a straightforward answer. It's almost 
It's only worked out in the doing of it. There's a great quote by Bernard Balin. History is sometimes an art. It's never a science, but it's always a craft. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. My three sons, does that not bring back memories? Now that was a father. Oh, that was a father and a grandfather and three boys living in one house. Oh, talk about dirty, that dirty house. That is just brings back so many memories. A little latchkey kid here watching all those shows. Uh, Matt Townsend uh, here. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Tonight or today we're talking about fathers and the important role that they're playing and um, just, you know, the complexity of the job. There's so many benefits Dads, to having you around other than just you're paying some of the bills that really I'm afraid we're overlooking it. And so we've done a little research here. And uh, here's Corinne Collins, one of our producers, to present some of this research on the role of dads and the role they play in society today. Father's Day is approaching, so let's have a talk about dads. Maybe your dad took you fishing or to the movies, but if you had a dad like mine, there was a lot of time spent eating and talking around the dinner table. In fact, a recent study by Concordia University indicates that fathers who are actively engaged in raising their children could make their offspring smarter and better behaved. Research conducted by BYU Family Life professor Larry Nelson also says that dads who blend love, high expectations and respect for their children's autonomy enjoy closer relationships with their kids. Hmm, so that's why I'm the perfect child then. In fact, Larry Nelson's study indicates that fathers still have a positive impact after their children have moved out. However, while it might all be crystal clear according to the research, it does seem that the nature of fatherhood is changing a little bit. According to Julia McKillen of the University of Nebraska, 77% of U.S. men rated being a father as very important, while just 49% said the same about having a successful career. Most men also agreed, or strongly agreed, with statements such as, having children is important to my feeling complete as a man, I always thought I would be a parent, and I think my life will be, or is, more fulfilling with children. It seems that dads are mattering in more and more different ways. McKillian said she hoped that the recognition of fatherhood as a package combining work and home responsibilities would help employers be more sensitive to the needs of dads. And a study from the Oregon State University Psych Department suggests that becoming a father can help change a man's bad habits. And that after men become fathers for the first time, they show significant decreases in crime, tobacco and alcohol use. Whatever way you want to do it, it appears that fatherhood is incredibly important to the success of children. And with more and more men choosing fatherhood over work or straddling both responsibilities, it's clear that the role of fathers has shifted in recent years. But what exactly makes a good dad today? We all know children don't come with a handbook. Well, the research says quality time. Excellent. Um, I, I love that. And they don't come with a handbook, but our um, next guest does. Treon Mueller is a father of five. He's the author of um, a non-business book called Dad Rules, A Simple Manual for a Complex Job. And he's going to be joining us today to help us through that. Treon, are you there? I am. How are you, my friend? 
I am fantastic. Thank you, Matt. Good. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, it's interesting. You you have quite the little bio here. I wanted to read a little bit about it because you're not just a father of five, but uh, it seems like your background may have perfectly prepared you to be a father. Listen to this, everybody. Um, Trion has five children. He moved to the United States from South Africa in 1995 to complete his bachelor's and master's degrees in adult learning. He is a Franklin Covey's chief e-learning architect. Uh, he's a business book author as well. He's a national presenter, social media expert, online learning expert. But Trion draws inspiration from his experience as a professional dancer, which every father needs to be, quite honestly, a medic in South African Army, a missionary, a university student body president, a university mascot, which makes you super fun, and a foster parent and a professional speaker. You have pretty much all it takes, Trion. It's funny, Matt. You might think so, but um, I'm still giving myself a seven out of a ten. I'm still working at. Is that your ranking? That's my ranking. Oh, but see, and I, then that would put me about a three. <laughs> Not true, my friend. <laughs> so fill us in, Trion. Now, what what are you noticing? I mean, you wrote the book for a reason, right? I mean, is is it just that as dads we don't, I don't know, we don't have Oprah to lean on as much, or we don't have all the magazines for parenting that we're paying attention to. Why is it so hard for us? It, well, being a, being a dad is extremely hard because, as you know, when your first child is born, you have no idea what to do. You, all of a sudden, you're just you and your wife, and yeah. the next second, you have another mouth to feed, and you have no idea what to do. Right. And so it's a tough thing. So the, the one reason I wrote it is to help other dads to um, have a instructional manual, the, the one that we, we've always been asking for. Yeah. It's but kind I of also, a tool to lean on, right? Exactly. It's, it's a quick reference. It's a rule on each page taken from lots of other um, great books as well as my experience and speaking to other fathers. Mm-hmm. But the main reason I wrote it, Matt, was actually because um, my dad left when I was seven. So I was born and raised in South Africa, and um, he left when I was seven. And I promised even then that I would never, never do what he did, and I'd be a good father. Oh, that's neat. Well, thank heavens for your, I mean, and, and you've learned. So you've stuck it out with the five kids and your beautiful wife, but you're also learning, and then you're going to help us learn. That's, that's the goal. If, if I, many times when I'm doing these book signings, uh, it's usually the moms that will pick it up or mothers-in-law right. that will pick up the book and say, oh, my husband or my my son should read this, or my son-in-law, and this rule is something that they're good at, and this is another one that they're not so good at. Yeah. So we all can work at it. Well, I think that's, that's kind of the way it should be. And, 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 I mean, sometimes I think in today's society, fathers are, are they're just not maybe being placed in the position. Like, they're being denigrated. If you look at a lot of the fathers on TV, they tend to be the big goofball. You know, they tend to be the one that doesn't necessarily have their game together. And so maybe overall people are losing some respect for this role. Absolutely. And actually that's one of my rules is to be a real man um, and not to look for Hollywood for role models and examples. Not that all father figures in Hollywood are bad. Right. But generally speaking, they tend to be more of the extreme than what real dads should be. I like that. So kind of just man up and – you almost have to discover what kind of father you need to be because every child's different, so you just need to be the father your child needs you to be. Absolutely, and that's very different 
than uh, trying to follow what someone else would have you do, especially in the movies and entertainment. Right. I think we know um, what good qualities of good father, fathers do. You just have to sometimes trust that and go with that. Yeah, and kind of and go with your gut. I, my father, um, my parents divorced when I was eight years old, but I was always able to be with my dad and see him and go work with him and everything. So I had a father role model, but I also realized that there's just a lot of people around us that were great role models. Did you have some great role models in your life about of fathers? Absolutely. And I actually put that in the back of my book, Matt. I had seven surrogate fathers. That's what I call oh, them. Neat. They weren't they weren't people that were married to my mother, for example, yeah. because that wasn't the case. It was uncles. It were, it were, these were church leaders. These were neighborhood, neighbors. Um, these were men that came into my life at different stages in my life when I needed a father figure, and they were just good men. Oh, that's um, great. That helped me through those tough times. Did you? I, I mean, I guess they've seen the book. Do they? I get, do they know how big of an impact they played in your life? You know, I've tried to let them know that. I try to be a. Um, <laughs> A good example of some of these rules I'm talking about, which is showing affection. Yeah, <laughs> and I've I've let them know that this book is that that I'm giving them credit, and obviously I'm shipping them copies of the book. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty powerful too, because I guess in the end, it doesn't. You don't have to be like the you know the biological father to make a difference. You can being just a male role model in a child's life just it it pays off. It's it, it changes a child. It's so true. It's amazing how I remember very distinctly. Um, there was a time in my life when, so my mother was actually an alcoholic. Um, luckily, she was not an abusive alcoholic, yeah, just really. to herself. But um, so life was tough for me. But there were times I remember going to my um, aunt and uncle's home over weekends, so that um, they, they saw the need for me to come go away from those situations. And I, I remember that. I remember the security and. The, the support that they would provide. Yeah. And those are those are wonderful people that were alert. They weren't directly in the home. Right. Like you said, they were around. Well, it's interesting. In a, in a way, that seems like a very natural role that the father could be playing is to be safety, to be the security, to kind of be looking out for him. Um, but when, when you think about uh, – when you think about all of the kids out there that are growing up without a father in the home – in fact, I read I just read a study – um, that said basically about 40% of American children will go to sleep in homes in which their fathers do not live. And before they reach the age of 18, more than half of our nation's children are likely to spend at least a significant portion of their childhood living apart from their fathers. 72% of the U.S. population see fatherlessness as the most significant family or social problem that the country's facing. facing. So it's a big deal. It's very severe. And what they, what that study might not mention um, is also the the effect that has on those children. Yeah, like what are some of those effects, Trian? Well, you know, you you said your your parents divorced when you were eight. I was yeah. seven when they were separated, and I never saw my dad. Yeah. Uh, maybe a few times throughout my life. But what happened was, I took on the responsibility of being the man in the home at the age of seven. Right. And um, I never had a childhood, and so this is. So when I first became a father, I, I had no idea what was expected of me, but also how I should act, and also what was expected of children, right. what was okay for them What's to do. What's normal for to them do. to do, right. So, you know, this is kind of personal, but I think it's important for dads to know that this is okay. I, I've, I've had to have counseling throughout yeah. my marriage to help me be a better father. Um, 
I think that's important because some dads don't realize that that's okay to seek help. Yeah, right. And it's and it's in fact, it's probably it's not even okay. It's just normal. I mean, we're we're we don't know. A lot of us just don't know what we don't know. No, and if we don't figure it out, then our kids suffer. Exactly. So these kids will suffer, and and, and you carry it through throughout your life. And I, I'm lucky. I've had good, like I said, surrogate fathers that helped yeah. me through, and a, a very a patient wife. Um, I've obviously been working at it. Right. It's something you have to work on daily. Yeah. It's actually, rule one, Matt. I say, you know, show up for the job every day. You, you have to be aware of what you want to do and and who you want to be. I love it. Um, in fact, uh, when we come back from this break, Treyon, we're going to go through a bunch of rules. So uh, those of you that are in, out there listening, why don't you grab a pen and a paper? Rule number one, show up every day for your job um, and get your pen ready because we're going to give you about 80 more. <laughs> no, we won't have time to go all the way through his book. But we're, we're talking to Treyon Muller, wonderful uh, expert in um, fathering, being a dad, and how to kind of take your family your role as a father, uh, seriously, how to start making a change in this very complex job. Uh, Treyon's the author of Dad Rules, a simple manual for a complex job. We're going to take a break here on the Matt Townsend Show. We will be back with more information and a bunch of rules from Treyon Muller right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, it would start pretty normal, like this. And about this far in, Nikki would drop out of high school. Here, she'd be forced to work two jobs, but then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org and begin your brighter future. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education, brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Music. Easy to enjoy, but not so easy to produce. Hear the stories behind the music on the Tantara Hour, Wednesdays at 8 Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. I was alone, I took a ride, but didn't know what I would find there. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. A new computer virus has been found in Iran, similar to the one that crippled the country's nuclear program a few years ago. This virus is called Flame. It's spyware designed to mop up data and send it out. A Russian firm says it has hit Iran and other places in the Mideast. Fingers are pointing at Israel. Israelis are suspected in the Stuxnet virus that crippled Iran's nuclear program several years ago. Now a top Israeli official says anyone who has the capability of hampering Iran's nuclear development program should do so. And Israel has that capability. Israel and the West believe Iran is aiming toward nuclear weapons. Mark Levy, Cairo. Naval Academy graduates were addressed by Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, who told them what the goal of their generation would be. Grant B. Thorne. Before the new sailors and marines took the stage at their commencement, Panetta told them the project of their generation will be building American strength across the Asia-Pacific. There and across the globe, the Navy and Marine Corps must lead a resurgence of America's enduring maritime presence 
and power. Saying they'll need to strengthen defense ties with China, among other things, while carrying the honor of Annapolis. Defend it, fight for it, and yes, if necessary, die for it. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. The First Lady has published her first book, and she says she hopes it will inspire people. In American Grown, the story of the White House kitchen garden, Michelle Obama holds out the raised vegetable beds on the South Lawn as an expression of her hopes for the nation's children. She writes, Just as each seed we plant has the potential of becoming something extraordinary, so does every child. The 271-page book from Crown goes on sale today. She hopes people draw some inspiration that just might change their lives. And if it happens to help her husband's re-election campaign, that's okay, too. By the way, she has better poll numbers than he does. Brian Thomas, Washington. Lori Ann Madison may only be six years old, but that isn't stopping her from competing in the National Spelling Bee. Some would think competing in the National Spelling Bee at age six would be a big deal, but not Lori Ann Madison. It's not as big, and I'm not really excited, like, eh, I'm going to the National Spelling Bee. I'm more like, uh, it's fine. Now, no one is expecting the Virginia youngster to win, but she told WJLA-TV she has been victorious in one battle debating her parents. I just do it and do it and do it until their heads spin. I'm Shelly Adler. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Tonight I have Christine. Christine, if I wear this shirt, you'd never want to be seen with me again. If I go to Bookman's right now, I could still get another one. No. Dad, please, Dad, listen. Dad, look, I'll wash dishes, Dad. I'll come to the basement. <laughs> okay, well, I think you've learned your lesson. Oh, Dad, I've learned it. I've learned it, whatever it is. But we can talk about it later. Later? Later? Dad, don't you see? I can't wait later, because if I wait later, Christine's going to come, and then it's going to be son, too son, late. Son, son, Christine's son, gonna... son, son. <laughs> Now, listen to me. Up on my dresser is a box. In that box is a shirt. Gordon Gottrell? <laughs> you bought another one? <laughs> I never took the one back then. <laughs> How did you know this wouldn't work out? I've been living in this house for a long time. Oh, man. Super dad, Bill Cosby. You got to love that. See, kids just don't know how smart we are. Really, Bill Cosby, Cliff Huxtable was his name, remember? He didn't take the shirt back, and now he's acting like he did it because he knew the son would need it. No, he did it because he was too tired after fighting with Theo about a shirt that he was too tired to take it back. Every dad knows that. Every dad. Trust your father. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show, everybody. We're talking about dads, the important roles that, um, that fathers play in the lives of their children. And we're talking to expert Treon Mueller a father of five, and the author of Dad Rules, a simple manual for the complex job. Treyon, um, now was Bill Cosby, uh, was, he one of the, was he one of the experts you, um, you talked to when you were putting this book together? Treyon, are you there? I'm here. Oh, there yeah. you go. You didn't happen to uh, work with uh, Cliff Huxtable, did you? Uh, not with him personally, unfortunately, but... He was an inspiration. I, I, I quote him in the book. Do you? What's, what's his quote? Do you remember? Um, I'm actually, I don't remember it exactly, but it's something about playing in the street <laughs> and, and just how um, the cars were just there 
they, they ignored the cars, but they they used the street as their playground. Isn't that true? See, back then, because parents didn't seem to care about their kids. Now we put them <laughs> away, right? Now we put them away on this really nice playground. But our parents, my parents used to, I used to sit, lay down flat in the back window of a car while we were driving around town. And I could just look out the back window. See? Well, they didn't even buckle us in, Trayon. No, they didn't do that in South Africa either. Didn't they either? <laughs> so fill me in on some of your rules. I know you put together 81 short but entertaining rules to help fathers. What are some of the ones that uh, you think are most important for fathers to hear? Well, so these 81 rules, Matt, are broken up into what dads should know, what dads should say, and what dads should do. Cool. So it's um, a little more manageable that way. But, for example, with, with what dads should know um, – and this is, we've addressed this earlier, but ask other dads for directions. You know, typically, we as dads aren't very good at um, asking for directions, whether it's for, to, to look for, looking for a place to be going, right. whether it's asking for help for anything. Yeah, we're not good at that. But I'm saying we can be good at that, and we should be good at that because there are some dads that have been through it, especially our dads, if, if we are close to them, um, and other men we respect. So that that's a good one to yeah. ask them for help. So so this is just basically so fathers can start gathering information. I mean, it's because part of it, men just kind of have a hard time with that anyway, don't we? Exactly. So this is good. That's a helpful one. Ask for directions. What are, what are some more? Well, um, throw up and toxic diapers come with the job. <laughs> you can't get out of those. No, and it's some. You, you can't expect your wife to always do it. No. And I actually got a data point there in the book that says, typically, uh, it's estimated that each child will need to be changed 6,000 times in the first two years of their life. Oh, man. So you've got to take half that duty at least. Yeah. I, I wonder what the, real, what the real statistics are about what percentage we actually do take. You're right. It, since we are at, you know, typically at work while the wives at home with the diaper kids, uh, it's probably less than that. Yeah. See, that's interesting because um, – I always tried to find ways because my wife kept wanting more and more kids, and I could never get her to remember how hard they are. But I think if I had just told her 6,000 diapers, that would have stopped her cold. It, it might have. That's a, that's a big deal. And no matter how many I changed, my wife always told me I never, I never changed enough. Um, so what are some more? That's interesting. So the diapers are going to come with it. That's not going away. Get used to it. Yep. What other ones? What are, what are some more of your favorites? Boy. So I have lots of favorite ones, but, um, you know, the first section in what dad should know, I also call the just deal with it rules Yeah. because some things we just have to deal with as, as dads. We've got to stop our whining and um, just get on with it. Like babies don't sleep the whole night through, so neither should we. <laughs> we can't expect our wives to do it. Right. And I tried for years actually telling my wife, you know, I've got to go to work in the morning. And, and finally she introduced me to the weekend shift. Yeah. And That's said, well, great. You can work on the weekend, my buddy. That's right. So you were up all weekend. Um, what What are some more of the? What are some about the say? It seems like to me that fathers a lot of times we just don't know what to say at certain times. What, what are time. What are some of the um, rules you have on what we should say, what we shouldn't say, and maybe even how we should say it? You know, that I'm glad you asked that because most of the time it's best if we don't say anything. We just keep quiet. Um, <laughs> And so sometimes we aren't expected to jump in and fix things. We just need to listen. Yeah. So that's the, one of the first rules, rules you know, in this section that I talk about. If you don't know something, say you don't know. Uh, it's nothing more annoying than a know-it-all father. Yeah. 
that thinks he knows it all. Um, if you mess up, make sure you say you're sorry. You know, these are ones you've probably heard before. Um, my, wife's, like, my wife tells me these every weekend. <laughs> Just listen. Say you don't know when you don't know and say you're sorry. We're not very good at that sometimes, are we? And what a difference that makes. I've seen it in my children's eyes when I sit them down and say, you know, daddy messed up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And they appreciate it. And they will actually, um, you know, love you so much more if you do that. Yeah. And just the other day, this is one of the rules, too. Um, I was watching one of my kids. She's six. She was climbing up this high fence in her neighbor's yard. So I was concerned for her well-being. So I said, Ruby, get down, please. And she said, why? And so I, I broke my rule, number 35. I said, because I said so, that's why. Yes. And, and I realized, because that's a cop-out. And it just shows you don't you, you're not showing respect to your child who, who can reason. Yeah. So I, I realized what I'd done. I said, well, because I don't want you to fall down and, and crack your head open. Um, and so that was a little better than just because I said so, that's why. Yeah, the, the, because I said so seems to be, you know, that's just Father 101, right? Look, I said so. But you really need to learn to negotiate a little bit and explain. And maybe you just can't take shortcuts, can you? It seems like the best fathering I've ever done is when you pay the price and actually take the time to teach them. Absolutely. That's the key. You've got to take the time. And, uh, you know, another fun rule that I, I have in this don't swear. Now, I say it's fun because. Most of us don't have foul mouths. No. But when you stub your toe or you slam your, um, you, know, you put a hammer to your thumb or something, you, you tend to yell. Right. You yell something. And so I actually created a word. It's actually on my mission uh, for this, these kind of situations. It's a polka diggy. It, it doesn't mean anything. You just made up that. a word. Just made up a word, and I, would, I just yell that. And it just releases all that tension and stress, and then people actually laugh when they hear me do it. Well, that's actually great because then you can actually make up the word with your kids. Exactly. Then it's only it only means something to you, but everybody else can laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's True. great. Do um, do you sit there and wonder? I guess regularly, still, Treon, like if you're making a difference. I mean. The thing about kids is you don't really know till they're older, and then you get these magical moments where you think you make a difference, and then you get other moments later when they're you know eighteen and they're telling you that you're not being a good enough father. Um, how do you actually gather the feedback from your children as to how you're doing? <laughs> it's real time. It's it's ongoing. I think as parents, you just get a feel for these things. You don't, as you know, you can't sit down and, and right. get feedback. Yeah, but. I've got to tell you, though, just yesterday, Memorial Day, um, I want one of the greatest lessons, and this is one of the rules, is teach your children the value of hard work. And, and th- that's by actually doing, showing that. Working, yeah. So we, we, the all five kids and my wife and I said to the kids, okay, we, we have to work on this garden. We've got to get all these rocks out to get the weeds. And um, I said, we have to do this so we can't be complaining. We're all going to do it. Everyone, even my little two-year-old son was picking up rocks and throwing it in a, oh, that's great. a wheelbarrow. And after literally, uh, we worked on this, I think, for five hours wow. together. And it was, um, what a great experience it was because the feedback, we stood back, everyone, and said, look at what we did. And uh, the kids were just in awe. And one of my kids said, well, I want to do more because we had some sections we hadn't done yet. And we said, okay, well, we'll get to that next weekend. <laughs> wow, what is wrong with your children? We, that's not them normally. Isn't that, that's, <laughs> so you, you set that out. I mean, we tried the same thing. We, did, we weeded our garden, 
and um, we don't call ours a garden. We just call it a weed patch. And we were weeding our weed patch, and interestingly, um, they they enjoy it. They enjoy the work. It's just it took you know it took a lot to get them all out there. But once they were out there, we were together. We enjoyed it. We didn't quite get the joy of sitting back and seeing much work done because we have a lot to do. <laughs> you know, let me just make it very clear. My family's not perfect. I'm not a perfect dad. This is just one of those moments, you know, you're talking about getting feedback. Yeah. Um, when it, everything clicked, and, and I, I think we did everything right this time. Yeah. But yeah. usually we get the same challenges any other right. parent will get. Well, and I love the spirit of that because it's really then about learning. So we gather the feedback real time and then we change. that. In that case, you knew you succeeded that afternoon with your family. You know, the next day we may blow it and we adjust and we we learn. So we're constantly learning as a family and a parent instead of just, you know, telling everybody to do it our way. Exactly. That's powerful. Now, if you had to sum it up, what advice would you give, um, Trion? What's the most important advice you've learned about being a great dad? It's going to take a lifetime. So don't be too hard on yourself. Um, one thing I've learned that has been so valuable is to talk to my kids and my wife about my inadequacies, about what I'm trying to do, as in, you know, your dad is trying to be a good dad. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to mess up. Just know I will mess up. But when I do, you have, that's one of the rules, give your kids permission to correct you. That's great. And then when they do, you need to accept that graciously and sincerely and then work on it. And so this is a lifelong endeavor. I mean, there are some dads, by the way, Matt, that I think are pretty perfect, and they mm-hmm. just have it. You know, they just have that knack. I have to work at it every day. I do too. But see, that probably makes it, I guess, more meaningful because it wasn't just – it's not just some natural thing. It's something that is important enough to work for. It is so important. Being a father is uh, one of the most important roles we'll ever have to play for, yeah. for society, for, for us individually, for their kids' futures, everything. I love it. I think um, this idea, it's, it does take a lifetime. And, and the, the goal isn't perfect, is it? The goal is just let's just be better tomorrow than we were today. And let's, um, and let's allow everyone to see that you can fail and still it's not about being perfect. It's about being one who will improve. Exactly. What a great lesson you teach your child when you can sit down and say, I messed up. You saw me mess up. You heard me mess up. I'm admitting it. I don't want to do it again. Please help me. But by reminding me, or oh, next time I do it, just let me know. And what a great lesson that is to them. Yeah. Well, and then they'll be able to take your feedback when they haven't been perfect as well. Exactly. Good stuff. Trion, appreciate that so much. And I appreciate your work on the book. I mean, it's it's never easy to to you know write something like this because then everyone does kind of hold you up as the perfect one. Really quickly now, Trion, where can they go ahead and get the book? Where can they find this book, Dad Rules? So Dad Rules is actually available almost everywhere. It's a Desert Book, Seagull Book. It's in Barnes & Noble. It's at Walmart and Sam's Club. Um, you can get it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. It's, so it, it's pretty much it's pretty all the much regular everywhere. places. That's good. And it's Dad Rules, a simple manual for a complex job. Appreciate your, your talking with us. Treon Mueller, uh, uh, the author of Dad Rules. And uh, we suggest you go out and check that out. Get ready for Father's Day coming up. It couldn't hurt you. Uh, Dads are important, guys. And so 
pick it up. Let's pick our game up. Let's start to be present. And remember, it's going to take a lifetime. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back after this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page. And Twitter at BYU Radio. In the world of flight, humankind is a newcomer compared to our avian comrades. So... Maybe it's time to take a second look at how birds do fly right. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Engineers at the University of Genoa in Italy have been testing how artificial feathers might improve a plane's performance. The focus isn't on a bird's long, stiff flight feathers, but rather a set of smaller feathers called coverts. Using a computer model, Engineers coated the wings of a mock airplane with artificial bristles that mimic covert feathers. Testing in a virtual wind tunnel simulation showed that as the wind speed increased, the bristles started to vibrate in a similar way to real covert feathers, reducing the drag on the plane by 15%. The researchers explained that while artificial coverts could improve a plane's efficiency, they may need a self-cleaning system to mimic the way birds preen their feathers to ensure efficient performance. And if these fine-feathered planes could use bird seed to fuel their engines, a revolution in aeronautics would surely take flight. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. All the time I was building the big banana cut, people would, they would say, oh, right, yeah, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. I, I would hear that constantly. So I decided I am going to find those guys and throw down the gauntlet and challenge the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile to a drag race. So we drove in convoy all across Pennsylvania. The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about fathers and the amazing role uh, that a father can play in the life of his children. And um, it's just, I don't know, I think we can't take it serious enough. Uh, There's so many things. Again, as somebody, my dad was always around. I'd, I'd go work with him. And so I got to learn a lot of the lessons about uh, about being a father from him on you know, at his work, at his office, but having a dad in the home, it just, it makes a difference. And, you know, it's not, it's not possible always in families. And there's just so many variables that keep dads away, drugs and marriage and divorce and problems that, that get in the way. And so our our goal on the show is not to just induce a lot of guilt. If you're a father that can't be around your children enough, it's just, let's find a way to pick it up. A lot of the latest research shows how important um, our our uh, our fathers can be in deve- in helping us to development in helping us to develop healthy um, normal skills and tools and so dads don't diminish your role it's really important in fact there was um an interesting thing we're going to listen to by uh, a man named Brad Bradford hold on let me get there Bradford Wilcox who is a sociology professor professor at the University of Virginia 
wonderful man who's uh, talking about the importance of marriage. And in that, he, he focused about two, two and a half minutes on the important roles um, that a father can play. Now, of course, this idea that dads are important has come into question um, in a number of venues, both academic and legal. Most recently, for instance, um, in, in federal court, where Judge Von Walker had this to say, quote, it's beyond any doubt that parents' genders are relevant to children's developmental outcomes, unquote. So he is claiming that we really needn't worry too much about having dads still in the picture. And what his comments suggest is that he is either ignorant of or unwilling to acknowledge a body of research that suggests that dads play a key role in providing for their families, in disciplining their kids, in playing with their children, um, in challenging their children, and in loving the mother of their children. I'm just going to spend a second here on the, the third item, that is play. What we know from the, the literature on dads and play <clears throat> is that fathers are much more likely than mothers to engage their infants, toddlers, and teens in vigorous, physical, and exciting forms of play and games. Dads are more likely, for instance, to be found throwing their toddlers into the air in parks, okay, or kicking a soccer ball with their teenage son or daughter. And this vigorous style of play is important because it promotes social skills, uh, intellectual development, and a sense of self-control. The playful side to fathers teaches their kids how to regulate their feelings and behavior, as they interact with others. And engaging in rough physical play with dad teaches children how to deal with aggressive impulses and physical contact without losing control of their emotions. For instance, one study found that father-child play taught kids to recognize others' emotions and to regulate their own emotions. And as Emory University, sorry, <coughs> University psychologist John Snary wrote, quote, children who roughhouse with their fathers usually quickly learn that biting, kicking, and other forms of physical violence are not acceptable, unquote. And I can attribute to that, the truth of that from my own personal experience. Okay. So the point here, more generally, is that kids who play more often with their dads are not only more popular in school, but they tend to do better in a, in a range of social contexts. So in other words, the lessons children learn playing with their fathers prepare them well for the game of life. So that's uh, Professor Bradford Wilcox from the University of Virginia. And I, I think I totally agree. I, I don't see how you can um, can diminish the role and the important role of fathers. In fact, well, all you need to do is go to YouTube. There's a great YouTube video um, from 60 Minutes about the importance of fathers. And it tells the story of elephants in Africa who where this bull elephant, the, the fathers or the, the bulls of the herd had been um, killed for their tusks. And the young bulls would kind of run rampant and kind of run over and they ended up killing and, and hurting other, other elephants in the herd. And um, they were really in a quandary of what to do. What do you do for a herd of elephants when the, all the bull fathers have been killed and the young bulls are now starting to take over? And they thought of all these things of separating the herd and moving these bulls or taking the young bulls and killing them, whatever they could do to, to get rid of – to handle these orphans that were, that were kind of running amok. And what they ended up finding out is that um, all you had to do was insert another bull elephant into the herd. Another male role model would teach these younger elephants 
and how to how to handle their aggression and how to manage it. It would actually mitigate the harm that was being played by these young bucks that didn't know what they were doing. And so there's power in being a father. And one of the things that um, Bradford Wilcox was talking about is it's not only do is it from the fathers that we learn to play and, and learn to connect and to bond that way, but we also learn from our fathers how to treat women and how to treat our mothers. And so one of, I think, the most important roles we can be playing as a father, and you kept hearing Treyon bring it up over and over, is this important role of showing how to love someone else or showing how to be respectful to their mother or be respectful to them. Fathers, you have an important role in showing what respect looks like. You can use your force, you can use your fear and your aggression to kind of squash it out of them. But in the end, it's probably going to be better that you just use love. And so if you're a father out there, a little uh, work for you as you're preparing for Father's Day. I wanted to get you ahead of the game a little bit and let you get your head wrapped around it so that you could feel stronger about the role you're playing as a father. Ask yourself right now, what's one thing you know you need to do better? Don't guilt yourself. Don't fall apart because you're not doing it. Let's just agree because of the show today, we're going to go be better. We're going to figure out how to make a change in the lives of our children and the people that we care so much about. It's never too late to change. We can always go back. The neat thing about children is they tend to be fairly forgiving, especially because most kids, even adults whose fathers maybe didn't step up, there's always room for them back in their lives, if in our lives, if you'll just if you'll just make an effort. We really want our male role models in our lives. And so that's the challenge from the show today. Pick up your game as some of the uh, the simple rules that uh, Treon was talking about. Just be present. Choose to get in the game. It's not enough to just, you know, say you've done everything you can. Start to listen. Say you don't understand something when you really don't. Say you're sorry when you need to. Ask for directions. Now's the time to break out of some of our fears and um, and truly show up every single day. What is the power of showing up in your child's life? What's the power of showing up to their games? That's one thing. What's the power in showing up to their day-to-day life? To tucking them into bed. What's the power to being there when they get home from a date and actually checking to make sure that uh, things are going okay on Facebook and that their friends are there and making sure their homework's done. All of those things, Dad, are powerful, powerful ways you can influence your children for good. You are a powerful uh, difference in the lives of your kids. Don't ever forget it. And, And moms out there, keep holding these men responsible, right? Keep holding them responsible for more than just uh, making the paycheck. Make sure they're also a key part of your children's life. That is the show, folks. My name again is Matt Townsend. We're here Monday through Friday doing what we can to give you the tools you need to take your relationships to the next level. We'll be back tomorrow with more fun and more solutions. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education. If you think the grand divide between church and state is worth paying attention to, 